in a person sitting in a sip puff wheelchair. If we could show that picture. Quadriplegic. You know how those work. You, you control it by, by your breath because you don't have the use of these limbs. She said, this image of God really worked for me because it was not an omnipotent, self-sufficient God, but one who was also not pitiable or a suffering servant, but one who was a survivor, one who was forthright. The incarnate Christ who would come for those who judged other people with disabilities as being unfeasible, unemployable, having a questionable quality of life. Here was God for me, Nancy said, a disabled God. It was her experience, and so she needed a God who knew something that she had gone through. Pastor Lisa and I have been doing the big questions during the season of Lent, and here's the biggest question on this Palm Sunday, which I'm going to call Passion Sunday also. What kind of God do you believe in? What kind of God do you worship? What is your image of God? What is your metaphor for God? What is your name for God? For Nancy, it was a disabled God. I ask you, who needs a disabled God? Uh, I know I do. I've, I've made a lot of hospital visits in my life. I started to reflect upon this. You know, I'm retiring, and so 39 years. Uh, would y'all give me 100 a year? Would you think I'd make 100 hospital visits a year? Huh? Would you? Okay, at, at a minimum, that would be 3,900. And not just hospital visits. I've visited in the nursing home and in hospice and, and people's homes and that kind of care. W- would you give me 200? Would you give me? Uh, maybe... Uh, so anyhow, 3,900, maybe 7,800, who knows how many, thousands of visits. So I did some field testing with this understanding of a disabled God, because over the last few weeks as I've visited some folks, they asked me, what have you been preaching about, Pastor Lynn? And uh, I said, Are these big questions, and uh, here's one of the biggest ones, uh, a disabled God. How does that resonate with you? And they go, what do you mean? I said, when Jesus came back from the dead, when the resurrected Jesus appeared to his disciples, what did he do? He showed them his wounds. The resurrected Jesus came back, not whole, not healed. He came back still disabled. This is Jesus that I need. Maybe you need too. They would start tearing up. But Jesus, who had experienced what they were going through, who knew them intimately. Who needs a disabled God? You think people in Syria need a disabled God? People in South Sudan? People in South Chicago? People in South Austin? (laughs) Who, Who needs a disabled God? Jesus is revealed, Nancy said in her article, not cured, not healed, not made whole, sharing his wounds. His injury is part of him. It wasn't divine punishment nor an opportunity for healing. It's who he is. 
Nancy Eastland said about her own disability, without my disability, I would be absolutely unknown to myself and perhaps to God. She treated her disability with some humor. She said, people who are temporarily abled, that was a phrase that she used. She said, they're so easy. Uh, She called them bowling pins. She said, they're so easy to knock over. They're easy prey in our, our wheelchairs. They're just... I grew up using the phrase handicapped. That's, that was the, anybody else? Yeah, handicapped. I looked it up this past week. You know where that came from? Elizabethan laws in England said that you could legally be a beggar. There were certain people that got this certification. And how did you beg? You held your cap in your hand asking for people to put money in it. We've never seen any examples of this today, have we? Except at a lot of street corners. Handy capped. We have more appropriate language today. Nancy Eastland wrote about persons with disabilities. Not disabled people, but persons with disabilities. Persons, she emphasized. The stuff I've been reading this past week said... Not little angels, not test cases to see how strong you are, or if it's good for your character development, or if it's redemptive suffering for you. It's also not being cursed by God, but persons. Who needs a disabled God? As I've been preparing for the sermon, I've read the papers this past week, and there are budget cuts for persons with disabilities. I go, ooh, who needs a disabled God? Maybe, maybe we need a disabled God today. I, I pick up my paper and there's a, a new app, a dating app called Glimmer for persons with disability. Yes, you don't have to have a disability, but the fact was 38.6 million Americans between the ages of 18 and 35 are in this category, persons with disabilities. I read this fact. Nutrition is the number one cause for disabilities. Nutrition, not genetics, but nutrition. Who needs a disabled God? The church in Philippi did. Picked up my commentaries. It said they were having conflicts in the church. Can you imagine that, Westlake United Methodist Church? Conflicts in a church. And Paul wrote about Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, humbled himself, took on human flesh, endured death, even death on a cross, becoming disabled. That is our example of healing in Jesus. The literature I've been reading said that we're called to become interdependent. That's what being, understanding that we're all disabled or we're only temporarily abled. We're all vulnerable. Can I get an amen here? We're all vulnerable. It's just, you know, one accident or or one gene or whatever. It's we're all temporarily abled. What's so good about being strong and perfect and right all the time? (laughs) 
We, we need one another. That's why the church exists, to be interdependent. And I read about the difference be- between being cured and being healed. Not everybody is cured, but we can all be healed. The understanding in the Bible was that to be healed meant to be restored to community. So many times illnesses or persons with disability were isolated. They were pushed off to the edges. And Jesus came to bring them back into community. And so it is today why we need a disabled God. So I read the story about this little girl who was late coming home from school. Her mother grew very concerned. It got later and later. She got more worried. Finally, her little girl arrived. And the mom said, oh, I was so concerned for you. I was so worried for you. What, what happened? Tell me what happened. And the little girl said, well, on the way home, I got almost home and, and there was my friend Susie, and she was sitting on the curb crying. And what happened? Her, her dolly was broken. Ah, the mother said, oh, so you stopped and helped her fix her, her dolly. And her little daughter said, no. I sat down on the curb, and I helped Susie cry. We need one another. That's... that's Healing. I have another picture for you here. Nancy Eastland became a theologian and was employed at Candler School of Theology, our Methodist seminary in Emory in Atlanta, Georgia. She died at age 44. Not of those things like that. She died of, of a cancer in her lungs. She didn't die alone. She was married to Terry. They had a little girl, Marie. And she died with her colleagues around her and and many students whose lives she affected. One, including me, having read her literature. Here's the good news I have to share today. That in Jesus Christ, we have a disabled God who knows all of our brokenness and who cries with us. Amen.